Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. This is episode 30. Bing, 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 bing. And you are here with Paul Spain. You've got Skip Parker in the studio. And you've got Bradley Burrows sitting at home doing it via Skype. Ah, uh, how's it going there, Mr. Burrows? This is awesome. This is my first virtual studio gig. I'm quite. This is really cool. Well, it's a bit of a bit of a trial to, to you know just to see uh, to see how it works with uh, with having you out and about. But uh, yeah, it's it's sounded good so far, and uh, it's nice to be able to see you on the on the camera there as well for for us in the studio. So it doesn't feel as though you're quite so far away. So uh, no, it's great. Well, lots of lots of news again in the in the last week, and um, we, we've got an interesting situation that, that that's occurred also with the podcast. Uh, for those that are um, that listen into our live feed this week, you'll notice there's something a little bit different about the podcast about this podcast that actually goes online. And we had a bit of a, uh, a technical issue with our uh, with our studio record, which led to some uh, some problems there. So there is actually a difference between the um, the main online podcast and the one that uh, those who joined the live stream would have heard. But there you go. Let's uh, let's dive into it. So this week, Steve Jobs, founder of Apple, has resigned. It's pretty big news, huh? He's gone, key. So. Steve uh, Steve Jobs started started Apple back in uh, what was it the the late uh, late seventies with yeah. Steve Wozniak. Actually, I think they started the early seventies with Apple, um, the designs and stuff. And it wasn't the late till the late seventies that they actually uh, were producing something that was of worth. So, yeah, yeah, they, they did a lot of things together at university. I think to um, before they actually formalised as Apple, didn't they? Yeah, well, I think. I mean, they were, yeah, they were definitely sort of you know hanging out and 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 doing stuff together. Uh, but yeah, I I think it was you know it was really the late seventies where their you know their products really started to um, uh, you know started to ha- happen and, and sort of be formally released. Right, if if we've got that right. Now, did you know? Here's a really interesting story about um, uh, Apple and HP. Uh, Steve Wozniak worked for HP originally. And when he designed the original homebrew H, uh, Apple device, it was uh, thought that HP might actually have owned the intellectual rights on it. But uh, they went and had a chat to these guys at HP and said, look, what is the deal with this, um, this concept? Can we, uh, can we take this product away from HP? And the guys at HP said at that time, yep, no problem at all. We don't actually see a future in personal computing. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Is that somewhat reflective of uh, HP's current stance on uh, personal computing? <laughs> Sorry, I had, I had I had to throw that one in there with uh, you know with the recent recent announcement about you know potentially uh, uh, selling off or, or um, you know separating up their uh, you know PC uh, uh, and laptop uh, sort of division from the um, you know main HP. So uh, yeah, who who knows? Uh, so, so what are your guys' thoughts about with them gone, though? I mean, the future for Apple, there's been this whole sort of uh, doom and gloom that Apple's going to be, well, where it's going in the next five or six years. I mean, we all knew he was a driven guy, that he was the guy that drove a lot of the new innovation. Some of the new guys in place now, they're going to stand up. But, I mean, is there going to be a change of products and of the guard coming forward, do you reckon? 
Well, there was, there's been, yeah, there's been some interesting bits and pieces in the media around it. And I guess, you know, Apple's always been a brand that's, you know, somewhat larger than life. Yes, they've been very, very innovative in, in uh, you know, a range of products for a long, long time. And, you know, I really saw the, 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 uh, the Mac when they la- launched that uh, as being the, um, you know, the product that really established Apple into the brand that we know it to be today and you know they'd certainly had some ups and downs and you know they got to a point in the mid 90s they really struggled uh and you know even microsoft came in you know dipped into their pockets invested a little bit of money in apple to help them out at that time and but it was when steve jobs came back into the mix again uh during that during that sort of late 90s period and you know they were able to really reinvigorate the company and get it back on track and then it was course of you know those major products under uh steve jobs leadership in terms of the ipod um, and the iPhone and, and, and iPad really that have um, made Apple the company that it is today. Um, but it's not just those products though. And you know one of the one of the big things for Apple has been their, their product launches or those keynote sessions, which Steve Jobs has traditionally uh, you know been the guy jumping up on stage and selling these products. And and you know he's really been. Uh, you know, an amazing evangelist for the Apple products. So, yeah, I mean, with, with um, the unique, you know, selling skills or, you know, uh, capabilities of Steve Jobs in, ter- in terms of representing the Apple brand, but I think Steve Jobs has been an integral part of uh, selling everything that, that, that Apple does in the past. And, you know, going forward, I'm not sure that Apple will be able to replicate We'll be able to replicate what what Steve Jobs did at the same sort of level, uh, but I think the brand has now been established as one of those premium brands in the market, rightly or wrongly, because there are times when Apple's products don't really live up to the hype, <laughs> and I think we're yeah. moving into a time, you know, now where there's so much innovation, and in, for instance, the mobile space, we're starting to see uh, things heating up in the tablet space. Uh, you know, it's not just a space where you can look and say, oh, yeah, Apple's product is the best product in all of the spaces it plays at. Uh, but it it is the premium brand product that people want to be associated with, and they'll buy the Apple product because it's got the Apple logo on it, maybe regardless of whether it's got the best capabilities or not. Uh, you know, and the flip side of that is Apple's, you know, generally had the the best looking product as well, which you know is another reason why why the brand's done well. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Steve Jobs has been a key part of it, but if they keep all of those other values of the Apple brand uh, going, then uh, that will help with their continued success. But the lead that they had on the iPad, the lead that they had on the iPhone. Uh, and you know, in some of the other spaces, those things are disappearing and drying up. So you know, in terms of Apple's future, I'm I'm not sure anyone really knows what what it looks like. If we look five years out, ten years out, uh, that comes down to the new innovation that they have to keep coming up with. Yeah, I, look, I think the thing for me, and I think you raised an interesting point, which is the way I look at Apple is that there, it's a very much like the cult, the cult values of Steve Jobs, and he does have that cult leader following where. People are so devoted to whatever he does. I mean, I think we've talked about before where the shop that go, that sells the polos that Steve Jobs buy, buys for every event he does, 
publicly announced who they were and they, their website crashed in about two minutes because everyone wants to be like Steve. So, <laughs> and, when, and when a lot of cults... Are you wearing a polo, Brad? I am right now, actually, a black one. Um, but when a lot of cult, cults lose their cult leader, things tend to unravel. And I think that's what a lot of people are sort of trying to work out is whether it is more than a one-man show. Now, I agree 100%. Apple have definitely had that innovation and that design aesthetics, which Jobs has led for the last sort of 15, 20 years. But it'll be interesting to see whether that figurehead, that charismatic man that can come up on stage and literally sell the world and what his vision was, whether they've actually got those dynamics in the organization now. And, and that's really what made Apple great was everyone looked for the Apple, uh, the Apple events, like you said, And but Steve Jobs was the main show. So uh, moving forward, they're gonna, their products will hold them for the next couple of years, but they're going to need to find a leader that can come up on stage and build up that, that cultish figure for their Apple fanboys that they've got. Yeah, it's an interesting comment. And, uh, you know, the qu- big question is, I guess, will Tim Cook be able to fill those shoes? And possibly not. But, I mean, in terms of innovation, uh, I'd imagine that Steve probably has, um, based on the last time he left Apple, everyone's really well aware of the fact that, look, it didn't work very well for them and that things generally went to custard and they went down a really bad product path, like the Newton and stuff like that. But... I mean, they surely must have been sitting there knowing things will change one day. And if you want to leave a legacy, you're really going to have to start doing succession planning. <laughs> and in, in that letter that Steve had wrote, written finally to everyone saying that he can't continue his role, he did clearly mention that, well, let's kick in our succession planning. So clearly they've all been thinking about this quite a bit. Now, in terms of innovation, I'd imagine there's probably a lot of people still at Apple that actually are the innovators even more than Steve. Um, I mean, there's no doubt he, Steve had a lot of great ideas and drove a lot of things, but you know, the actual implementation of those ideas and the actual way they were developed had to be done through the team. So, I, you know, I'm, I th- it's going to be interesting, but I, I still feel Apple's got a few tricks up its sleeve yet to come. I think they're, um, they've still got quite a few legs to go yet. And let's be honest, even if they lost cash for the next a million years they'll probably still be the richest company in the world <laughs> they have a lot of cash reserves and a lot of value in their company at the moment absolutely yeah. and you can't undervalue the uh, the brand in fact I think it was uh, something I read recently from uh, Helen Helen Knowlton who um, or it might have been Research International one one of the um, one of the firms that sort of looks at brands and their, their values and so on and they they were saying that you know probably you know half uh, roughly half of apple's value is the is their brand value so of the whole company half of that is the the value of their brand so we're talking the apple brand itself being worth over 150 billion dollars and that's enough to carry virtually any product that they could launch so there's speculation about an apple tv coming out we know there's an iphone you know, five coming out. In fact, there were you know there were tweets today. Uh, um, I think it was or Tech Day put up an article saying that the iPhone five is out on uh, the 9th of October. Which, hey, that's a Sunday, not really the day they launch on. Um, we tweeted about it because people were saying because their website was down and people couldn't get the 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 details. They were saying, would you tweet the date? So we we did that today. We don't know whether that's when it's coming out, but we know with the Apple brand associated with it and the iPhone brand 
that's just going to sell like hotcakes regardless of whether it's just an iPhone 4 with a, you know, a couple of minor tweaks um, or whether it's something that's that's a great leap forward. Uh, and, I, and that's, so, Paul, that's I've got brand. a question for you. With, with Android absolutely chewing Apple's market share out, are you gonna? Do you reckon we'll see the growth in the iPhone five that we have in the previous versions? Because the Android platform is absolutely smoking the iPhone around the world at the moment. The, and that and that's much like uh, Windows smoked um, the Mac in terms of sales. You know, Apple released a you know a product there in the eighties with the Mac platform. It was a you know a beautiful product with a beautiful user interface, but it was very expensive. And Windows came out something that could run on everyday PCs and was accessible to any PC user. Now, what what Google have done with the Android operating system is something you know similar. And in fact, you could look at it a little bit like the early versions of Windows in many respects. You could tweak it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but it wasn't, uh, you know, in in many people's opinion, up to uh, what the Mac operating system was in terms of uh, slickness and reliability and so on uh, and and yeah where Android mostly fits in is in those lower um, lower cost brackets although they've got high-end devices uh, they've got high-end devices too so yeah I would say the iPhone 5 will, will sell well uh, as you know as as will most products that Apple really gets behind and uh, and pushes into a market like that. Um, but I don't think Android's going away anytime soon. And of course, we've got Windows Phone that are, uh, um, you know, a whole range of devices coming out over over probably the next few months. And there's going to be a big push behind those. Having Nokia on board um, will bring that, you know, bring that through into the market as well. Yeah, I, I just think the world's a bit of a different place than when even they launched the iPhone four. And it'll be interesting to see whether we are. We're still going to see the queues. That that's a given. But I'm just wondering whether those queues are going to be existing iPhone users upgrading versus net new people buying iPhone 5s. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think, yeah, you, you'll probably always see a bit of a mix, but I think the, um, uh, the you know, the the um, the sort of the ride is over a little bit for Apple in that space now in terms of, you know, those people that wanted an iPhone have mostly gone out and bought one you know uh and there's now a whole lot of other products and you know we're starting to come across people that have bought iphones that are now yep we've had our fun with an iphone for two or three years now off to another platform because another platform is innovating better or is you know doing something that that people prefer so yeah there there was that period where it was you know uh, far and away the best product in the space and I guess you know we see that at the moment with the iPad uh, where it still you know owns a very 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 healthy share of the tablet uh, type market but you know if we push forward and look at that in say two three years time that space is likely to look very different from from what it does today yeah no fair enough yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens over the look the next year or so will be an interesting time for everyone with Windows 8 Android and where Apple is going to go. It's fun times for all of us. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about it often, you know, the the level of competition and innovation at the moment is really a great thing for, you know, for the industry. 
with there being so much competition, yeah, longer term it might not be so great for you know shareholders of particular companies who will fall behind mm. uh, or who, who won't have um, such a strong uh, lead in the industry because it's going to be hard for one player or another to jump ahead unless they come up with something completely different. And you know the completely different within a, within the technology industry doesn't actually happen all that often. Uh, but when it does, on a number of occasions, Apple have been at the forefront of bringing that difference. And it doesn't always mean it's something new that no one's ever done before, but it means that they've, you know, they've delivered something in a manner that's palatable to the masses. And, you know, the iPod was exactly that. You know, we had media player devices out there before. They weren't particularly popular, but Apple managed to get people buying iPods in the millions and hundreds of millions and, you know, turning that into a really mass market, you know, product. Yeah, no, they consumerized. That's the one thing I think you and I were having a healthy debate about this last night. And they consumerized something that Xerox couldn't do with their operating system. Microsoft then consumerized something that Apple had. And, and Apple's done the same thing with a lot of their products. You know, the the... They, they consumerise the modern version of the Walkman, and they're just brilliant at it. They're, and that's Steve Jobs through and through. Mm. But the re- the reason that Apple makes so much money, and this is the differentiator between Apple and a lot of the others from a business perspective, um, is once they've established that brand and that presence, they continue selling their products with very, very high markups and usually giving very little to any of their retail uh, partners where there are retailers involved in the mix. Um, and so, you know, that makes them a very, very, very rich company. They might, you know, sell a MacBook Pro for a markup that's maybe 50 or 100% more than what it actually costs to, you know, produce the associated hardware. Uh, and we don't see any other players in the market able to do that or able to get away with it. So that's, you know, that that is really, a, a you know, a fairly dramatic uh, differentiator. And, and as long as they can keep that going... That will keep their profits high, uh, but I don't think they'll be able to keep that going across all the spaces, um, you know, as as the competition heats up and everyone gets a little bit closer in the products that they're, they're selling. So, yeah. So, Apple, that's, um, yeah. Now, it's going to be really interesting just to watch where, th- where things go over, over the next, you know, next few years. I guess, you know, one way of... of um, of looking at it would be to have a little bit of a look at Microsoft and you know we saw when did Bill Gates leave Microsoft Brad that would be um... uh, I actually saw one of his last speeches so that would have been three maybe four years ago now okay okay and I mean if you look at Microsoft now they're 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 certainly no worse off than they were three or four years ago they you know they seem to now be sort of catching up in, in some of those spaces where they were struggling at uh, three or four years ago, so uh, yeah, having having Bill Gates sort of moved aside and him off and into his you know charitable causes, trying to um, you know solve the world's sort of poverty issues and so on, and uh, um, yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem to be causing too many problems there. So we might we might well see similar results at um, at Apple. I, I actually disagree with you on that one. I think Microsoft took a bit of a a. It went backwards before it went forwards, and I think it's only just starting to get its legs underneath itself again. And since it actually released Connect, it's it's found its mojo back with the consumers, and I think they've suddenly realised with Connect and phone and, and hopefully the Windows 8 products 
they're just starting to find their legs again. I, I reckon there's been about a 36-month lag before it suddenly got up and going again, you know, um, because they were behind the eight ball on a lot of stuff and, and they just weren't spishing out good products. And, yeah, That's I, I just true, think I think, yeah, but I think we're coming into a time now where we're seeing those innovative products come yes. through. We've got the, you know, the Mango version of, of, of Windows Phone uh, now, which is finalised. It's absolutely stunning product. The Windows 8 stuff that you know we'll be seeing in the next couple of weeks, the real details around that, um, you know, and in a lot of their other sort of businessy products, it seemed to be you know very very strong. But yeah, you're right. There there was sort of a um, uh, a bit of a, a gap there where uh, you know the products weren't so sharp. I mean, Windows 7 that's been out for a couple of years and they've done extremely well with that one. But uh, yep, yeah, no, I t- I, yep, yeah, I take take your point and. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth in that. Now, other bits and pieces going on. Uh, we we chatted recently in recent weeks around uh, online backup systems, sort of for uh, you know for backing up home and and, and personal uh, data. Um, one of the tools that I've I've been looking at and uh, since that is a product called Gladinet. Uh, I don't know if you guys had a uh, had a chance to look at it at all, but effectively it's a uh, it's a tool that you install, and it will tie in with um, the a range of sort of consumer and business oriented um, store cloud storage um, services. So, for instance, on my machine, I've got it linked into uh, my Windows Live SkyDrive. So that's twenty five gigs worth of free storage that I get from um, um, from SkyDrive. And I can map that as a drive, and or I can also set up to synchronize content from my PC straight into the cloud. And the nice thing there is there's a free version of that Gladinet tool. Uh, SkyDrive's free, so there's a level of actual you know free uh, backup capability that you can just get just by uh, inst- installing um, the Gladinet um, product alongside um, alongside SkyDrive. So I thought that was quite cool. Does it support? Yeah, that, is, that is really cool. Sorry, Skip, you go. No, I was going to say, does it support Box? Uh, yeah, it supports Box.net. It supports uh, Rackspace Cloud Files. Uh, you can tie it into Windows, Azure, uh, Amazon S3. I've got it linked up to one of my FTP accounts. So, you know, by linking it into uh, being able to map those things as drives, it gives you a much nicer uh, interface for, you know, for accessing those services. It's, n- it's not a perfect product, and it keeps popping up with updates. And then, you know, I've used some of the features that are in the Pro version, so it's trying to sell me that. Uh, but the, the concept around it is is good. Uh, and I, you know, I think yeah, it would take a bit more usage to work out exactly where it fits. But uh, the, you know, yeah, I like I like the concept. And yeah, with a bit more bit more use, um, yeah, I'll be able to report back a little bit more on it. But you know, I've I've found it you know quite quite cool with some of the stuff that it does so far. Obviously, there are limitations with some of those online services. For instance, you know, the free SkyDrive limits you in terms of the file sizes. So Gladinet has some ways where it breaks up the files for you to handle that but of course then you would need their software as well to be able to recover those files so you know it's not um uh not necessarily perfectly seamless but yeah good concepts so um paul one thing or two well one thing actually um this was a homework assignment of about four weeks ago so you get an f because you're late <laughs> it's true it's true it was it was it was, wasn't it? we both did our homework assignments i don't know yeah, no, I'd, I'd have to question um, 
question who was sort of setting the assignments and uh, <laughs> you know yeah I, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure about that but, I, I uh, think it generally is the case if most of the class have got it right uh, you've probably got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that just takes me back to my school days. Um, yeah, no, I never did get the best, the the uh, very very best reports. Um, but I do remember the teacher saying that uh, if I was doing something I enjoyed, then uh, I would do extremely well. So I'll hold on to that one. Thanks, guys. <laughs> right. Now you, you've got an awesome competition coming up, haven't you? We do, and we'll chat about that a little bit later on uh, in the in the show. Uh, for those that, that 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 don't know, all of us uh, have day jobs. We're not just. Uh, podcasters 24-7 um, and and um, I'm one of the founders of a company called Gorilla Technology and, and Gorilla is giving away an HP touchpad this week uh, and we're, we're doing that because I know so many of you were wanting to get your hands on one of the touchpads and they all sold out very quickly. Uh, we've got one so we'll talk a little bit more about uh, uh, about that later on in the show and um, and and how you can win one of those, uh, those touchpads. One of the benefits of getting an HP touchpad is that the box client for HP Touchpad comes with 50 gig free. Ooh. So I signed up with that on the demo unit and I've got a box account with 50 gig. <laughs> That's very handy. All right, well, we might have to rip this one open before we before we send it out so uh, we can get some more of our box.net accounts. Um, very, very cool. All right. Um, now, TechEd. TechEd last week, uh, we, that was, I think we, we were discussing it earlier. Uh, is it New Zealand's biggest technology conference or New Zealand's you know biggest conference uh, per se, Brad? So it's the biggest conference that happens in New Zealand and it's the biggest IT conference that happens across Australia and New Zealand. It's actually bigger than the Australian event over there. Wow. So Microsoft TechEd, Annual conference covering all sort of uh, of of you know Microsoft's uh, business oriented and software development type products. Um, what were the highlights for you guys? Um, look, I mean, for me, one of the things I really liked this year is that we had products on the stands and we were showing off technology that was new. We had a lot of new equipment there. We had a lot of customized equipment there. We had everything from slates right through to connect. Uh, we were showing the entire suite of products from the cloud as well. Um, you know, from the, the device that really still blows me away is this Bang & Olufsen Acer, uh, Asus device, which is $5,600. It was about a foot and a half wide, and the whole thing was solid chrome, and it was smoking hot. It was gorgeous. And it was just great to see these devices that are different from what you see in these the, the beige type laptops that we're all used to and we had some sort of interesting designs come through we had the samson series nines there so for me it was just nice to see that full range the full gambit of actually what's out there in the pc world for home and for the enterprise okay yep uh one of the things i've i found um interesting was uh, the office productivity guy from uh, maxoffice um dot uh, biz uh, doctor now you might have to help me with the pronunciation here uh, Brad uh, Dr. Nitin uh, Paranjap Paran- yeah you've got to bang on this time okay so yep yeah, so not not too far not too far off there uh, 
and yeah, yeah, he had some really interesting s- stuff to uh, to to show off, and was thoroughly entertaining. And yeah, he was he was talking about uh, you know the importance of understanding the tools that we work with, which you know for for uh, most who work within a, a business environment and spend a lot of time in front of a computer, uh, Microsoft Office is that tool that they use. And you know, he he showed off uh, to to the group that I was with uh, in a number of things that. If you didn't know how to, you know, those particular techniques, which most of the people in the room didn't, um, you know, it could seriously make make your uh, productivity a lot worse than what it could be. And, you know, he highlighted that if, if, if people actually knew how to use the tools a little bit better, they might save an hour a day at what they do. And, uh, yeah, it was fascinating. And, and he, I mean, he just... He was very entertaining with his with his jokes, and that worked extremely well. Also with it with his Indian accent, so well worth looking up that website maxoffice.biz. And if you can look up some of his videos too, uh, I'm I'm sure that would probably be quite uh, quite entertaining. Yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, we've got to thank Mr. Zaid Akela who brought him over here for that chat because um, Dr. Nissen's very very uh, popular around the world for doing a lot of speaking. Um, one of the things I've seen on a lot of the chat rooms recently is, is what's the value of people going to tech ed? And, and the way I was sort of thinking about this over the last few days, it's like if you were to go on a training course over five days, you'd hit one or two topics. You have 170 sessions of deep level 300, 400 IT pro training that you have your hands on for three days, and you can go and hear some of the leading speakers and specialists in the world. So um, if you don't get to go along to tech ed, a lot of people tend to miss out on getting into that detailed demos, hands-on labs, and all those areas where you've got the people around to talk. So I, I know we had a bit, a bit of a wander around, and we got to see some of that stuff in action, and it's it's pretty cool to see it. Yeah, I mean, it is nice being immersed in all of it, but one of the nice things I like about TechEd uh, too is that a lot of that content is available online afterwards. And, you know, if it wasn't uh, filmed or recorded at TechEd in New Zealand, there's, you know, there's the various international ones. We've got, you know, there's TechEd on in Australia this week, and I know it's it's a smaller and not as big a, an event as the New Zealand one, interestingly. Uh, but, you know, be- between the New Zealand one, the Australian one, and the various ones that are held elsewhere in the world, uh, a lot of that content is available, but there's a lot of value in sort of just getting, you know, dropped in there, having those, those you know, three days just... Uh, um, you know, being able to absorb it all and so on, uh, definitely well worth it. Skip, uh, with any sort of you know major major highlights for you, you you um, probably had a good look at some of those new devices. There, you know, there there was, I mean, there was just so much content that it can make it actually quite hard to know what uh, what to what to get along in here, right? I think there were two things that I took away from TechEd a lot. Um, the uh, I went to the key, not just the keynote, but the um, the keynote speaker Norm Judah. Um, I went to his uh, technical leadership um, discussions, and the guy is a genius. I mean, he's clearly got a number of years under his belt in doing technical leadership, and some of the information that was gleaned from that was just priceless. And you know, Brad was saying, you know, what is the value in going to uh, an event like TechEd? It's actually getting the chance to meet with world class leaders in the field to actually hear them talk about some of the stuff. So it's not just entirely a technical conference in terms of, you know, this does this by pushing this button here. It's actually also um, management and sort of leadership type stuff that you can glean from this, uh, from the conference. So yeah, Norm Judah was very, very good. Um, 
the two other guys from uh, Redmond, uh, Patrick Hevishy and uh, Jeff Johnson. Did I, is that right? Yeah. Yes, um, that's they, uh, Their demonstration on uh, new technology was uh, quite spectacular. Um, I'm still blown away by Sony's little portable laptop. Um, that thing was paper light, even with an additional battery pack on it, and it had a ridiculous battery life on it. I think it was well well above eight hours of battery life on this uh, one device. Eighteen hours of battery life, and it cost five thousand dollars. Yeah, but it was an incredible piece of kit. The Samsung i series notebooks, as we discovered, flex. I mean, you can pick them up on the corner of the screen. That was a neat little party trick um, for the week, I think. Um, Until someone actually bent it too far and snapped it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so I mean, they do have their limits, but um, I mean, it is exciting to see that um, companies like Samsung and Sony are really starting to engage into this area um, with regards to consumer products, you know, portable, light consumer products that have power. I mean, Patrick is saying he uses a Sony for gaming. I mean, who ever thought of having a gaming laptop that could last 18 hours? I mean, that's just insane. So the cool thing about that Sony one you're talking about also is besides that new battery technology, you can plug in an external video card, an ATI, to boost your graphics capability to 3D and to give yourself the same as a SLI NVIDIA or an ATI, is it Firecross? Is that the technology, Skip? Uh, I think you're right there, yep. Um, capabilities of graphics on, on, a, on, a, on a laptop. You can external video cards. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, the other things that blew me away at TechEd, uh, Intigen presented uh, during the keynote their um, bit of software, f- how the rugby Australian Rugby Union managed their press software through SharePoint and the um, Azure Cloud solutions. That was um, pretty impressive. And of course, uh, Nathan, uh, Nigel, sorry, Nigel Parker, uh, demonstrating some of the stuff uh, that Microsoft got involved with on the Rugby World Cup um, software for mobile devices and web, basically just replays and statistics information for the games, the Rugby World Cup. Um, I am really looking forward to the Rugby World Cup to see this app fly. It is going to be, as Brad would say, smoking hot. <laughs> yeah, you've just stolen my app of the week. Now. That's great. Oh, that's true. Sorry, bro. Well, we can talk about that a bit later. But um, yeah, just some of, the, some of the actual practical applications of what people are using SharePoint and the cloud, Azure cloud services and that sort of stuff. It, it is very, very cool. Oh, and may I say one more thing? Yes. I went to see the showcase for the Imagination Cup. The Imagine yep. Cup guys, uh, about five teams, and I was stunned. These kids are absolutely geniuses, and there was some amazing solutions. And of course, the uh, the one one beep cup one yeah it's one beep isn't it one buzz oh, one buzz one buzz that's right because they got on the stage and the PA system started buzzing. I don't know if that was part of the trick, but yeah. it just happened. <laughs> um, they demonstrated their solution that got them sixth in the world, and I'd have to say. I would hire these guys without any question. They just totally understood a problem and delivered a solution that, well, I just haven't seen a solution like that for ages. I mean, I'd expect it out of companies that have staff that have 30 years of experience, you know. These guys have an amazing future. Yeah, so a, a little a little quick story around those guys. Um, so they're in, in New York doing their thing with their Microsoft mentor and their Microsoft chaperone. And they're hopping in the lift, and this guy stands next to him and says, what do you hear? And they said, Imagine Cup. And they had to do the 
So tell me your 30 second elevator pitch. They give the 30 second elevator pitch and the guy says, so what's the one thing you're missing? And I can't remember the exact wording, but they sort of said it would be great to be able to overlay satellite mapping on top of what we're doing with solving malaria, but we don't have the money to pay for the mapping technology. It turns out that this guy works for NASA. Oh. And next day he comes down, gets the, the the guy that's running it, and I'm trying to get my story right here. If I get it wrong, I apologize to the guys, but he basically says, if you can get down to here at this point, I'll hook you up. It takes the whole team down to the NASA thing, Three weeks later, they've got an API that links into some free software that allows them to get the mapping thing, and NASA are using this API that these guys wrote, sorry, this um, connection that these guys wrote for other applications as well. I mean, how amazing is that for a story to now be saying our application is being used by NASA and with some of the code we've developed as well? Yeah, wow. that's, the, that's pretty cool. These guys, the app is yeah. stunning. It is yeah, very just So stunning. this is the student... You know, student team, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's, that's smart impressive. cookies. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Now, in other news, uh, the we're we're recording here um, unusually on a Wednesday. We're usually recording on a on a Tuesday, but tomorrow, uh, New Zealand's three strike copyright law comes into play. Now, it's it's somewhat unsettling, isn't it? The um, the, the potential of, of issues that could arise from this law. Now, we don't know how it's actually going to uh, be, you know, how, how things are actually going to play out just yet. Uh, but, it yeah, it all starts from tomorrow. What What's uh, what's your take, Skip? This is obviously an area, um, you know, you're, you're pretty interested in. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about it, at, at, you know, at some length before. What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts, concerns? What are, what are the positive aspects to this? It's a liability. It's a liability for a, it's a liability for a business that runs an open internet connection, um, and, the, and you can see this with the Auckland University starting to consider pulling down some of its uh, student services, the Wi-Fi services especially. I mean, at the end of the day, the organisation that's providing the internet uh, or providing an internet service to its staff is liable for what its staff do. Now, the organisation I'm involved with, we're looking at how we manage that policy moving forward. Um, it's likely that we will uh, leave our internet services, we'll warn everybody about it, we'll leave our internet services as is until we get our first strike. And then we start restricting our internet very, very heavily. And that becomes a real problem for the business. The problem is, if we lose our internet for longer than well, for, for a period of time, because we've reached three strikes rather rapidly, that kind of stuffs our business. It really stuffs our business. Um, so, yeah. The other thing I have a real issue with it is is it doesn't fully target um, what what's going on on the internet in terms of piracy, and it actually tends to end up targeting uh, people that... Well, it, it's open for abuse. I mean, I could easily fake that Paul Spain himself at his home is downloading a movie. It's not hard to do within torrent trackers. It, so and, and also there are ways to get around it. For the, so those that, are, that seriously want to, want to uh, do something illegal can do it without, without these rules actually you know, uh, causing them any harm. What so you- guys, I, I, sp- I saw an interview with Paul Bresnell who we've had on the show before Paul, this morning. Paul Brislin. Paul Brislin, sorry. Of two ends, yep. Um, so it's even worse than that. I can go to your house, Paul, 
and I can report that I saw you downloading illegal content and you will get a strike until you prove otherwise. And Paul was saying, the other Paul was saying that um, it's literally, or if, if, if I go over and put my laptop on your network and I download something, you'll get the strikes. Now, what I don't know is that if I get two strikes put against me, is there a period of time where those strikes will get wiped away? Does no, anyone know? No, I don't know. If there is actually, to be fair. No, not that not that I'm aware of. It's oh, once you hit the third, it's it's all over. So uh, it's, this, this it's is time to leave the country like or somebody, shut down your business or yeah, it's not not good, is it? No, it's crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think there are too many people in the technology space that believe that this is a. Um, you know, a law that's been well implemented. I, you know, I think the intentions of it are probably, you know, there's good intentions behind it, which yep. is, you know, to protect, um, you know, to protect piracy of copyrighted material. And, you know, I think it's important. We, we have um, a large creative industry here in New Zealand, you know, a large film industry. And, you know, for those, for those industries to, uh, to survive, um, we, we need to, you know, we, we need to protect their, well, we, yeah, ideally we need to protect their work. But if there isn't a, a fair way of actually doing that, um, then, yeah, it's it's not really appropriate to be putting systems in, in place that are um, that aren't workable, and this just seems like a, an unworkable law from you know I think from most people's perspectives. But I mean, we'd certainly be keen from hearing from others via our Facebook and uh, and 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 other channels, uh, Twitter and so on. What you know, what our listeners think about this, whether there's a you know a support for it, or whether everyone you know agrees that uh, that. This law, this three strikes law, doesn't make a lot of a lot of sense. So, I mean, I guess sum, summing summing it up, the, the the risk is, yeah, somebody does something wrong on your connection for whatever reason, and your connection can be uh, can be cut off. There's also fines of up to fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, in a home environment, hey, you know, that wouldn't be ideal. But if it's a business, the impact of that could you know could lead lead to that business being shut down. Right? It's it's not good at all. No, and if you let uneducated IT, uneducated people that don't know anything about IT make laws, this, this is what happens, right? We need to have people that are IT literate making the laws. Agre- yeah, agreed. I mean, it just it's it sounds as though something's been missed in this, uh, you know, it's been missed in this process. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, oh, you go, Paul. No, no. So our, our next item on the agenda, um, I've heard some stuff that Apple um, have pulled the uh, option to rent uh, TV shows from via iTunes. Have you guys heard any information about that? There's been a little bit floating around online saying that they've uh, they've stopped that. Whether that's pending some changes, whether that's um, that some of their agreements uh, with the prov- you know providers of this content uh, have expired, I'm not too sure on the details. But it'll just be interesting to watch and see what happens uh, in that space because they did have that option where uh, I think via the US store it was 99 cents a, a show to be able to rent you know rent one episode and, and watch an episode of a TV show. Some or all. Um, the ninety-nine cent ones were the ones that I was aware had gone. I don't know if there are other ones. I don't. I mean, I personally don't tend to rent 
uh, TV shows. If I'm watching TV shows, then you know there's Netflix and there are other um, you know legal mechanisms through which to watch them without actually having to pay on a you know on a basis of each one. There has been some speculation that Apple might well be moving to. Um, some sort of a Netflix style model where you would pay a um, a fixed fee and that would give you access to you know to a whole broad range of content without paying every time you watched an individual episode. So that's an interesting one. Now um, Samsung, they've yes. they've been really. I mean, there's just a mess. The uh, the the patent fights that have been going on there between Samsung uh, and Apple. Um, and you know we've we've been dis- you know we've discussed this recently the problems they've had in Europe they've had problems in Australia with launching the Galaxy Tab. Um, I did get an email this afternoon um, from the Samsung guys uh, around an event that they're holding in the next few days. Uh, so you know it sounds as though we're, we're to be seeing uh, you know continue to see the latest gear you know flowing through from Samsung. What what have what have you guys heard? Um, as of three forty two this afternoon, how's that for an update? Um, Samsung have agreed in Australia not to sell advertise the Galaxy 10.1 tab before September the 30th. Both companies will be going to court in Australia for a formal hearing between September the 26th and 29th, and it may require the senior executives of Apple and Samsung to both appear in the Australian courts. So this thing's getting serious. I mean, there are while Samsung are playing nice until the 30th, we're going to a formal hearing, and it's all to do with the patent infringements that Apple are claiming. Um, Samsung will counter Apple's points by the 16th of September. So this thing's going to go to court, I think, on the, and we might have some bigwigs coming down to Australia from Samsung and from Apple. Yeah, very interesting, very interesting. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, I hope these things sort of, you know, just get get dealt with quickly. Um, but yeah, it is a really interesting space, and and you know, I was looking again at some of the uh, the photos that have gone online of an iPhone next to uh, some of the, uh, the a Samsung phone, and looking at the user interface with the way that the you know a row of four by four application icons, you know, the sort of the the um, the icons at the at the at the very bottom, and, and they just look so close. It is. Um, it does look like a real uh, rip-off, but there, there's two sides to that whole story. And, yeah, it, I mean, we could talk for a long time ar- around who's copying who and, um, yeah, yeah, so there's, some pretty, there's some pretty entertaining um, points there that could be discussed. My question is, and this is going to sound a bit rude, why would you ca- copy it? Why would you copy the iPhone? The interface actually is getting old. Yes, why would you do that? I mean, there's plenty of new interfaces coming out, even in research and design stuff on other, from small startups and stuff like that, which just looks spectacular. Why would you just replicate or emulate something like the iPhone? I mean, it's yeah, sure, it's the, one of the most successful interfaces <laughs> of uh, recent times, but I mean, it just it's getting old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that was their choice, I guess, when the iPhone was was riding, uh, you know, riding that wave. Uh, was the time when they started, you know, they started coming out with some of their devices, and yeah, they absolutely sort of tried. It did look as though they were trying to make it look as though it were an iPhone. Um, yeah, a, li- a little bit odd because it just it did look so close. It was, um, yeah, it was scary. I think one of the big things that if you get a lot of consumers that walk into a store, and Paul, you mentioned this earlier on when we were talking about the new Apple, um, is basically if a consumer walks into the store and, and sits there and goes, hey, 
I wanted phone. Oh, this one looks like an iPhone, but it's actually a Samsung. And they just get confused because they just go, oh, it's new. It looks like an iPhone. Oh, it must be an iPhone. And they find out later it's a, it's a Samsung device. I think some people get confused by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a challenge, and certainly if if you know if other companies are trading off off that, yeah, I think there, there needs to be some caution. It's fair enough for that sort of thing to uh, yeah to end up in the courts. Now, other news: um, Windows eight. There's been um, there's been revealed some new bits and pieces around um, the new Explorer, which you know probably isn't the most exciting thing about uh, you know about the operating system. But I guess it, it you know it's part of what Microsoft are doing is just drip feeding out little bits of information uh, you know about the new operating system before the build event in a couple of weeks when 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 we're, we'll we'll hear uh, broader details. Um, the new uh, ribbon in uh, in, the fo- in the Explorer uh, has been shown off, and uh, that actually looks pretty cool. It, it sort of makes sense to me. And when I put that say side by side with a Mac, I think someone you know trying to do things for the first time that doesn't know how to rename a file and so on. Um, yeah, the, the, this user interface makes sense. So, have you guys had a look? What do you think? Yeah, I have. I, I really like it. I think they're they're taking a a lead with the work they're done with Office 2010, Office 2007 and put the common tasks up there. But they've also made just the information a lot more visible to people and haven't hidden it behind the scenes. So yeah, I really, really like it and I cannot wait to get my hands on a beta build of uh, or whatever, a developer build or whatever we're going to get in, in, in build. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it's a good point. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I... Th- yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm quietly hopeful that they will. They will make um, you know a, a release of it in some form available to us uh, in in September, so that we can uh, we can get in there and, and and just have a look around and see what this Windows 8's all about and 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 whether it's as as exciting as many people think it will be. Now, uh, Vodafone, they've been. Um, you know, I guess under some uh, under some pressure, a- as has the XT network from the competition of two degrees coming into the market. And one of the things we've seen uh, quite recently is Vodafone, uh, sorry, uh, two degrees have started um, changing that consumer focus and starting to go after the business market, which I guess is really where the the big money is made in the mobile space. You know, prepay users and so on don't necessarily spend a lot, but uh, business customers that are using their phones sort of all, all day to do business can spend a lot of money. Uh, so w- one of the uh, one of Vodafone's initiatives, which are, uh, you know they've told me they've been working on for um, uh, for some time, are their new business smart plans. And I put those side by side with the new plans from Two Degrees, and Vodafone comes out extremely well. And I think in some cases people will find uh, businesses will find that. Uh, the Vodafone plans are even better than uh, than the two degrees plans. Now they are different, so it will depend on you know each organisation will obviously use these things a little bit to have different requirements. Uh, but I think you know when you look at a business, most businesses aren't too keen to uh, to change things such as their telecommunications provider, uh, you know their premises, their staff, you know these sorts of things that you you change it if you really need to. And you know, I think these new plans from Vodafone will um, will really 
allow them to hold on to customers that otherwise might have might have started sort of looking around i mean within uh within my business i'm i'm looking at these new plans and thinking we would would expect to see somewhere between a 30 and 50 percent reduction in our mobile spend in the coming months with moving on to these new plans it's so huge. It, it is. It's. I mean, it's unprecedented. We haven't sort of seen anything like that before. Um, and, you know, we have to give the credit to there being a third player in the market. And, yeah. and you know, without uh, two degrees coming in and putting that downward pressure on the prices, you know, I don't think this would have happened. So, it, you know, it just definitely justifies uh, the moves that have allowed two degrees to enter in and be competitive in the market. Um, as an example, there's a... Um, there's one of the new plans which if you sign up for 12 months ends up costing around $50 a month for a uh, uh, plus GST for a business that provides 250 megs worth of data 200 minutes of calling 2,500 text messages free calling to everyone within the particular calling group uh, and a frequently called number which can be any landline or mobile which is, is free to call as well and Vodafone are giving a bonus of one gig of data traffic as well uh, bundled into that for the first six months. And I guess if we look back at when Vodafone have done these deals before, I'm guessing that that one gig worth of of free uh, traffic on that mobile connection may well keep going for longer than the longer than the six months. So um, yeah, it's pretty um, it's pretty pretty interesting. So uh, yeah. That's the new plan. So we'll keep you. We'll keep our listeners up to date with the other bits and pieces. There, there is another plan um, that Vodafone are doing, which is all around um, uh, new uh, or a, a VoIP offering for business lines in the um, as well. And uh, they've, I think they've actually just formally announced that today. But it's been around for uh, it's been around for a few weeks. And for one hundred and fifty dollars, a business can basically get uh, two voice over IP phone lines, a traditional analog line for a fax or whatever, um, for that one hundred and fifty dollar rate. And it also includes free calling to local uh, numbers, local na- uh, landlines, national landlines, and Vodafone Mobile. So that unlimited calling to um, to Vodafone numbers which I think is quite interesting as well. Uh, now, we're getting towards our uh, our time to wrap up. A um, little bit of other news that happens to be Vodafone-related as well. Um, a bit of a coincidence there, but there we go. Lots of Vodafone news this week. They are selling off uh, their iPhone 3GS models, which is a two-year-old model now for, uh, for $599. So um, that's probably the cheapest that we've ever seen in I- an iPhone. Um, but question is, guys, would you want to go out and buy a two-year-old um phone model even even at that price i mean that just yeah i'm sure it'll it'll attract a few that are just fans and just want to carry a product with the apple logo on it but really that's a pretty old product right yeah no i there's no way i'd buy one i mean it's just it is old and i mean there's lots of rumors about what's going to happen with the next release of iphone and even discussion about a cheaper iphone so i mean we don't even know if iOS five will work on these iPhones as well. Oh no, it do, it does work, but it will, it has cut down capabilities, features, yeah. and so, and that's you know the thing. Do you really want something that's not going to um, not going to do it? So um, yeah, yeah. Um, now 
in um, the the other bit there, we've got um, also in phone news, we've got um, the new Windows uh, Phone 7.5 uh, Mango, the very first handsets with that came out in Japan uh, late last week uh, from Fujitsu. They've got a phone there with a 12 megapixel camera. Uh, I think it's waterproof, is it? You can actually put it underwater and it and it's, you know, still rocks and out. It comes in pink for you as well, Paul. You're going to have to make it waterproof <laughs> to stop the drool. <laughs> Sounds like a cool handset. I don't think we see Fujitsu handsets here, but uh, but interesting. Now, as we wrap up, uh, time to hear about our little uh, our little competition. So, as I mentioned, my um, my day job, I, I spend my time with uh, Gorilla Technology, and and part of my role in that. Um, day to day is looking around at technology and working out what is uh, what fits our customers um, business strategies what technologies can help them uh, achieve their business outcomes that they're looking for and so that involves testing out lots of gear part of that means I've had um, the HP touchpad come across my desk to have a look at and have a play around with uh, and there's lots of other technology that comes through too, H- you know, hence why I'm able to talk about these things on the podcast um, but yeah, we've we've had a touchpad uh, we've been having a look at uh, we don't need that any longer because we're not going to be recommending the touchpad to our customer base obviously <laughs> It's a bit hard to get hold of them really isn't it? Yeah their future isn't looking too bright so uh, so we've decided to make that available um, to our podcast listeners so we've got a really easy competition this week um, all we want is for you to tell us what would be um, uh, what would be a, a good business use for using a tablet now it doesn't have to be uh, the touchpad because that one's going to be going away but where can you see there being business benefits of this sort of handheld tablet based uh, computing and it can either relate to product you know based on products that are available now uh, or just concepts of how you might use these devices as newer ones come out in the fe- uh, in the future with newer capabilities so I mean there are all sorts of th- you know things that you can see obviously there's uh, you know there's there's doctors in a medical environment that you know might carry one round and, and, and able to input information and draw from it that might not be able to carry a uh, you know carry a laptop as they walk around you know a ward in a hospital etc uh, but if you fire those at us uh, put them up on our Facebook page which is facebook.com slash NZ Tech Podcast uh, you can fire them at us on Twitter and our handle there is NZ Tech Podcast um, or yeah those would be the two sort of main uh, main methods to get them to us uh, if you can't get if you don't uh, use any social networks then you could uh, uh, put a comment up on the nztpodcast.com uh, site in association um, with this particular episode which is episode 30 or you could uh, email skip.parker at nztpodcast.com <laughs> yeah he's going to love everyone emailing him <laughs> he really appreciates you giving out his email address publicly too. Right. Thanks. I normally give out yours so. Th- thanks brad.borrows at nztechpodcast.com <laughs> we really appreciate it man <laughs> alright so uh, so that's us we're, uh, we're wrapping up for another week now um, if now if our listeners want to uh, want to follow us of course we've just mentioned our Facebook and, and Twitter handle for NZ Tech Podcast if you want to f- uh, follow Brad your uh, Twitter handle is at Brad Bohr, um, B-R-A-D-B-O-R. Excellent. And Skip? It's actually easy because I've got so many networks to go and visit urbankiwi.com and it will show all of them. Oh, there you go. That's pretty fancy. Yeah, you should have a look. It's pretty sweet. Okay. Uh, and my Twitter handle is at Paul Spain, 
and yeah, I've got an I've got a PaulSpain.com as well if uh, if if you want to go there. So uh, yep, lots of ways of tracking us down. Um, yep, all all um, all very easy to uh, to get to. So hey, thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, we'll have a lot more on the show next week. Uh, there there's a bunch of stuff that we were hoping to cover this time, but we've just run out of time. So yeah, look forward to catching you then. Bye. See you all. Bye. 